0: Hello and welcome to the D&D 420 podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping you become a better Dungeon Master. I'm your host, Eric M. Hunter, and I am a struggling game master trying to figure out how to tell a better story. Joining me shortly is Jimmy Shields. He is the creator of D&D 420 and an avid D&D fan with over 30 years of experience. In this episode, we dive back into my world building. I've built some more towns. Uh, I've kind of created some interesting ideas within certain cities. Um, and tried to really focus on the import-export f- uh, flora and fauna that we talked about in the last episode. And just when I thought I was done, okay, so I took the week um, and uh, went back and I re-listened to what we were talking about last week about uh, you know the flora, the fauna, the um, you know the imports, the exports, what do things smell like, what do the player, what are the players going to hear when they walk into these places? And uh, I didn't write anything from this an entire week until early today, <laughs> before we recorded. Yay. And I had this kind of like weird flow state where just everything kind of bursted. So what I did was, is um, I did what you suggested or what we came up with, which was the mm-hmm. idea of like just picking some random place, going to the Wikipedia page, and seeing what their import and their exports were and stuff like that. I ended up somewhere in Switzerland. I can't remember the name of the town, uh, but again it sparks some inspiration so uh i really dived into um bells pro which is the like the high in, the high city that everybody basically bows down to and i wanted to make it um kind of like organic uh, so i uh i've got things like uh there's vines uh vine vineage uh, vegetation uh that goes throughout the entire city it lines the sidewalks uh hugs all of the buildings it uh, twists around lamps uh, and then at night, these vines become very luminescent and they're bright enough to kind of light the surrounding area. Um, when we're talking about imports and exports, I decided to create another town called Westbridge. And Westbridge is basically, for lack of a, a better term, it's a, a slave a, an enslavement camp uh, where they mine uh, a core that's uh, built out of the ground and then they use that core uh at Bellspro at the high city to fashion armor and weapons and they use it as trade, stuff like that. Um and then that gave me the idea for this uh for that Westbridge. So I was like, okay, so it's an enslavement camp, so I want it like I want it even worse uh than when Saint Anst is. Like I want it like to be the I want it the, the second the players get there. Like, you know, it's dirty, it's it's um, everything's you know shacks and it's a shanty town and everything stinks of like this acidic smoke that gets in your eyes and the closer you get to the mines where this core is mine the harder it is to breathe the harder it is to see um just a shit shit place this is bells uh, no no so this is westbridge okay, this is westbridge. like the, okay. yeah no bells is um that's why i wanted to do like the Uh, Like all the organic and everything because there's nothing like that anywhere else. It's almost like they stole all the vegetation and all the animals and all the beautiful scenery and they put it back into this high city. And now these other two towns that are nearby that are basically supplying everything to this high city is just like straight trash. They're shafted. Okay. Yeah. So um, it was boring to say the least because it's like, as I said in the last episode, I was like, man, I just want to start writing this campaign um because then that will tell me what they need to see that will tell me what they need to hear and smell and that kind of thing uh, which goes against everything that we're doing
1: let me ask you something are you ready for
0: some good news bad news situation oh i don't know that all sounds bad to me but (laughs) now go ahead give me the bad news the
1: bad news is you got a lot more work to do to finish up the world (laughs) right right doesn't it feel like it too
0: It does, yeah, because now I'm, at this point, so I've got three towns, I've got a load of conflicts, I've got a load of uh, varying degrees of uh, damn near everything, and now I feel like, oh, I just want to keep, now I'm having, like, I'm enjoying it, you know what I mean, like, I want to keep doing it.
1: That's cool, that's really cool, like, you know, start adding on, you know, maybe... Remove yourself from this area and go to a different area at some point and do the same thing, and uh, you might even find that when you're doing this and creating other areas, now you have to link them together or decide why they don't talk or how they don't talk, or what you know what's holding them back, or you know whatever, um, and and figure all of that out, and you know the more you start to do that the bigger your world can be and the, the bigger populations you'll feel comfortable creating and, and creating conflicts with and larger scale events happening. Um, but, you know, you can kind of do what you've done and rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat and make all these cities and all these towns. And once you get into it, you know, further down the road, you'll get a lot quicker at it where you can crush the amount of work you've done like I did with this recent world in just a couple of weeks. Um, right. Easily, I easily because I started what um, three weeks after you, and I've done probably a lot more work than you've done so far. Sure, but for me, it's easy, and I have ideas, and I've done it many times, and I already have an idea of what all the imports and exports in a fantasy world look like. I don't have to research it; I already know because I've done it so many times. <clears throat> right, and when I want to add and- something in, it's easy to do, and I can. Sh- to think about how it throws other things off um but uh go ahead as you were saying
0: no i i think it's um it's one of those things where it's like you kind of need to move you need to move the line on every aspect of the world building so you need to move the line on or the meter i guess you could say um like okay so i'm if i create a town I create it, you know, I go from start to finish of what it looks like, and you know, like what we just did, like imports, exports, that kind of thing. But I also need to draw that city on a map. And then I also need to figure out what's the surrounding that area. Do you know what I mean? Like I haven't been well, doing like the area building and that kind of thing.
1: Well, for that, for that, you'll only do Bells Pro and you might do like a smaller sketch, uh, you know, maybe a different sketch or, um, you know, probably work with those map makers a little bit more. and and see if there's a way that you can, you know, get that map looking the way you want. Because we started off with the map, and for you it might have been better to end drawing the map. And so let me give you some good news now. We talked about that was the bad news. you got a ton more work to do if you really want to make this into a world, like an entire planet with, uh, with everything finished, weather patterns and everything. There's a lot that you can do. But the good news is you've done enough so far that you can go ahead and start playing. Because what's going to happen if you start playing, you're really going to flesh this area out. You've created enough that it would be weeks before the players are really going to get to an area that you don't have created. You can right. keep them in this area now for really entire an entire campaign if you wanted to. I feel that you've got enough there for that you'll have to create more for these areas and it'll be fun fleshing them out. And in the meantime, you can be writing down the way we started kind of notes about other ideas you have that don't fit in this world because I guarantee while you're role-playing and and storytelling in this area, some things that you'll write will never come to pass and you can totally save them for things in the future and use it as whole town seed starters or adventure hook starters for other things so the good news is go ahead and start playing if you want or or um you know go ahead and start adventuring or go ahead and start talking to your players about it um or continue to uh write you know whichever you feel more comfortable with at this point um so that's like the kind of good news bad news is you've got a choice now if you wanted to it's only been a little over a month and you're already prepared to start writing go back to season one and start writing the um the minutia for your campaign, which you talked about you really wanted to do. So now that you've got this beautiful setting, really all you have to do to complete this is think about what type of animals and monsters. You know, finish off that flora and fauna by by getting that and finish your food chain out a little bit. Why is this such a dangerous place to live? Well now the monsters are really going to tell that story. And since you've got a backstory to it, when you start adding these monsters to it, you're going to realize that they even change. They're going to greatly impact. You may have some in mind already, but as you're looking for more, you might find monsters that will impact the ecosystem that you've created in a way that you like. Don't be afraid to continue to morph this before you unveil it. So that's really the last thing you've got to do is prepare it to write that campaign.
0: Yeah, so, and I was thinking, too, like, um, if suddenly I need something, I need to add something, or I need to manipulate something, like, I feel like, to me, these towns are fleshed out enough that I'd be like, oh, well, it would be XYZ because of this thing that I've already talked about, and this thing that's already here. You know, like, I feel like the answers would come a lot faster.
1: You are getting common sense about your world. Right, exactly. Well, common sense dictates, since this and this are true, then this must be the answer. That makes sense to me as the one writing it, because you're starting to see these, these, uh, these people that live here. Those are starting to form cultures in your head, you know, um, and that's what I was kind of getting at with having you create things the way we did. Is it, it really starts to color that culture? You see why they choose the thing they choose, why their towns look the way they look, and it's really cool to dive into that now that you've got the ideology for it and start writing for that campaign of what's it going to look like there? What's it going to smell like? Really start coming up with some adjectives that you're going to tell the players, um, and, and some monsters they're going to fight and some animals they'll see that might be exotic. Maybe take things from around the world or exaggerate some things that exist in our habitat, um, and make that into some neat scenes or, or, you know, other small minutia about the town shops. Um, yeah, places interesting interesting things interesting people not necessarily rulers leaders or people that are movers and shakers but just interesting shit that the players are going to come across that's for the campaign
0: portion right yeah that and i feel like too it's it's kind of never ending like so when where do you put uh, the, where do you pump the brakes then? Like, let's say, cause I mean, realistically, you could probably build this world for forever. Like you could always find another Island. You can always find another city. You can go high in the air. You can go deep in the ocean. Like, so when is, when's enough enough?
1: Well, here's the thing. Once you've had players in your world, they have to understand that this is a growing world. And there's a reason that we never heard about this superpower before and that reason is because it wasn't created yet like this three kingdom thing or four kingdom thing that I'm creating now along with you that I'll unveil at the end of this season and, uh, what the last episode, I think I'm going to, um, express to you everything that I've written for it and how I got to it and why I got to it. And, um, you know, we'll take the whole season to, to show your stuff and and how you got there. And then I'll unveil something that I've done. And, um, we'll make both available for people to check out and see what we've done. Um, But but I kind of digress because, like, this place that I'm building is going to have a major impact because they have the ability to sail, and they could probably have a much higher probability of having far-reaching sailing ships than some of the other places I've created that do know about things that are far away so that that becomes a really strange like anomaly like why why is Verandor and kyoden why, why is this place and, and the third name is still in flux so i'm not going to mention it yet but the other two are going to stick um why, why why are these two major powers um not impacting the rest of the world for 20 something years of gaming so you got. That's when you've probably reached the point of which, okay, never mind. This isn't going into the current world. This is something else entirely. Right. This is a new campaign setting. Um, so when you get to that point where it seems impossible to be adding what you're adding, you've probably gone too far or improbable that it would have happened the way it happened in the past. Okay, stop. You've got enough. Like at first, yeah. everyone's going to understand everyone's gonna right. get it we're building this together like with the players and stuff but after 20 years or after 5 years or after how long you, you've been playing and you, you feel like you've got you know, 150 cities you've played in and, and like all these places you've mentioned talked about or have affected the game in some way um and everybody knows about it the same players that you've played with all know about it um Hell, man, I'm too high. I don't even know what I was going to say next. I had a really solid. <laughs> oh, well, point so,
0: there. Uh, well, let me ask you this: like, um, damn it, how yeah. how do you get it to a point where, like, let's say, like, we're um, how do you make it so it looks like I'm not creating or I'm not world building just uh, to solve a problem that just happened in a session? By, do you know what I mean? By
1: now, uh, there's another thing you can do, and I was going to mention. I think a. Uh, um, I was just too high. Um, there was another thing I was going to say that you need to do to get ready. And I said there was only one thing. And that's insert the like monsters and creatures. Um, yeah. But there, there is another thing that you need to do. And that is drop seeds for other areas. Names. Like know that there's goods that come from somewhere else exotic. Um, things like that. Because if you drop the name in session two of your first campaign but no one ever goes there you don't have to have anything made all you have to know is these bright red rubies come from there and they're adorning this very specific type of art or jewelry that comes from there that the king's mistress loves and you and where is it from oh it's from Kyoden this far away exotic place where they have right uh, tan colored skin and almond shaped eyes or whatever you know and you never have to meet a person from there. There never has to be any talk of it like, oh, it's foreign, it's exotic. it's You don't know about it much. And and like once a player starts to ask, you could even say, pump the brakes and say, hey, can we talk about that outside of the game? I don't want to take up the time. And you can always jump on it, write a little bit more to pepper in. And that'll give you things that can stew on the back burner or things that you might just want to switch over and say okay i got to work on this now because x y and z this player's asking about it but if you start dropping those hints and giving those little um these other places exist feel uh, it'll it'll always right. feel like this world has always existed
0: okay that makes sense
1: and that's one of the things that makes names so powerful um if you have that name and it's and you give like a mystique to it right in the beginning right and you and it's something that's you know different than the language that you're using here and all these other people's names it's just a little different if you've created a uh, a constant like or a culture around the way you name things in this the area that you're playing in and then you change that culture for the name of something exotic you give a little short story about it like we said with it's a specific type of ruby or a specific type of jewelry a specific type of people maybe it's a race or a class that you hear always comes from there like they're well known for for their jewelry and their warrior women their women are actually fighters and they wear a certain type of armor whatever the case may be it needs no stats Needs no real background, just a little bit of flair. That player will remember that when it comes up later. Three campaigns from now, when they finally get there and you've finally gotten to working on that that area, now you've got it all fleshed out and ready to go. And now a new thing takes place there. And it's always been mysterious. And they're 10th level and they made it there. And this mysterious place feels, it feels fresh and new. But at the same time, it feels ancient. It feels powerful. It feels far reaching.
0: Well, and the other thing I was just thinking too, like I haven't done anything like just like the only things I've created so far are places that are occupied. Like I haven't like tried to look at any kind of like mountain range or valley or if there's like a desert nearby or, you know, a giant lake or something like I haven't done any of that yet.
1: Yeah, you're going to need to do that stuff as well. And there might be ruins. It sounds like a lot of that type of stuff. Now, the desert is there a desert nearby? What is the topography? That's why we want to do the map. Right. You know, because then you can decide what is everywhere and you can see the big picture of this large area. You say, oh, okay, this. Entire area has here. The swamp is this far away, so they don't think about it much. Much closer is the desert. They talk about it. It affects their life. Weather affects the area. And that's, you know, kind of in with the flora and fauna department. There's a reason why you have the flora and fauna you do. Make it make some kind of sense. Make it, I mean, it can be fantastic. It can be out there and it can be crazy. But um, for me, why? Why do I need to do that? There's times I do. There's times I get nuts with it. But that's when it is connected to the storyline or when it has something to do with a stat in game. It affects the players. It affects their characters somehow. Um, but for the most part, I just make it make sense. And I may pepper in like this is something I made up and it's a, it's a little neat. Give it a name. Give it a, a reason for being there, but that's gonna be the outlying. Now you've you chosen a town in a specific area. I'd suggest right. making the surroundings similar to the surroundings of that area, so it makes sense. So it feels right.
0: Uh, let me uh, kind of go back on something you just mentioned, um, where you were saying like you know, don't it doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be fantastic. I don't remember if we talked about this or not, but. At what point, let's say you need some sort of fast travel system, like a horse, like do you just create the horse and let the horse be in the world? Do you create something new? Why? Why not? Um, well, the
1: mount or the pack animals that uh, any given culture will use is going to depend on a couple of things. One, availability, and two, needs. What needs do they have and what's available? Um what's best suited you know that's available and okay. that's going to and that's going to come from the wildlife and so that wildlife needs to be supported like cows need grass um you know snakes need um taller grasslands or swamps or whatever rivers you know certain animals need certain terrains and certain terrains breed at these type of animals um, so, I'm
0: sorry, what was the question again so what like wh- um when would it make sense to create an animal in place of something oh. as common as a horse when you like, really, why would you do that or
1: when you really want to add flair when you really want it to stand out like remember in volcaminar when um Oh, you weren't in this game. You haven't played in R have you?
0: Uh, Yeah, the last game that we were playing with uh, me. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Gosh, uh,
1: man. Can you tell I yeah. took a zinger was a walk- before we got on here?
0: Well, it was a long time ago, too. I mean, it's been <laughs> it's almost... It's been a year. I mean, we're coming up on a year. Yeah. It's, or more than a year.
1: Good news, it's about to start up again. Um, oh, after after we're allowed to visit one another. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, it's ready now. But anyway... um. We could play online as well, so that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. Not that I want to, I'd rather play in person. But anyway, back to the um, so in Volcanar, the players had gotten far away from Volcanar and the 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 mirror side of your game. They got really far out there and they needed to get pack animals to come back, but they were in like kind of a foreign area. So I made the to make it feel foreign, I made up these six legged um, thin slender long sleek dexterous can climb on the walls and ceilings um, type of uh, reptiles like lizards that were anywhere from eight to 16 feet long eight feet being a young adult 16 feet being like the longest they ever come and they can easily carry humans or um, or even... The, long, the big ones could carry even a large creature, and they can get through really tight spaces. Why? Why did I create this? Because I wanted to show, like, well, this is a really exotic environment, so it's going to take a really exotic thing to want to ride it. It needs to be strong enough. It needs to give you an advantage over the terrain, so this thing can walk on the walls, and you can strap yourself into this saddle, and it can move relatively quickly through relatively small spaces, even with a rider on it. And the saddle um, is flexible so that you can lay back on the mount where you can lean all the way forward and get through those really difficult crevices. Um, right. So I had a few different needs there, and I didn't want to use anything that had been previously um, made in the books. It just I, I'm a little bit of a... Uh, a hard-headed dm that way cuz i don't want all of my players to understand all of the stats to the creatures and animals that are around them. Right. Right away. There's i like there to be mystery. I may use stats from out of the book, but i just tweak them a little bit, change the name, change the way they look and you have no clue what their hit dice are, special attacks, you know, vulnerabilities, weaknesses, any of that stuff. You guys have no idea if if I don't want you to have an idea because I want it to feel foreign or I want it to feel strange or I want it to feel fantastic. Right. You can't get fantastic out of the same thing that you fought over and over again for the past 30 years playing d A goblin is great if you've never played d d before, but man, you get sick of the goblin after 30 years of goblins.
0: No, that makes sense because, I mean, if you wanted to just play... You know, a run-of-the-mill D and D &D game, like you would just play one of the games out of the manual. You know what I mean? Like you would just play um, just one of the pre-made campaigns.
1: Exactly. You can play all of the monsters and all of the creatures, um, all the animals that D and D says there are, and but we're making our own world, and we want it to feel we want to feel unique. So every now and then, it's good to add those things. And I, I, suggest I guess I mean do it
0: why why else would you be making the game then if you're why else would you make the camp or the world if you're not gonna do anything fun and exciting with it right lots of lots of things you just want it to make
1: sense and make it to be easy to storytell through but every once in a while get out there a little bit and the more often you get out there and it makes sense in the game and it feels like it's actually believable and connectable and relatable right the more you do that, the more your players are gonna appreciate it, because it's gonna feel like they're not in our world; they're in a true fantasy world, a true fairy tale land, where things are bizarre, where things are unique, things are incredible, things are fantastic. It is fantasy, after all.
0: So, okay, got more work to do. Um. <laughs> all right, I've got a little more work to do. So I got a little. So I'll probably. because i think it'll just be easier for me to hand draw a map so i'll probably just do that um just for the sake of the podcast and then that way once i draw that map i'll get an idea of like what new towns and areas and um places in the world i'll have to create to fill that map um oh yeah uh, just another quick question so in terms of the size Like, do we just assume that all of these are just, you know, it's a planet in and of its own, regardless of how big the landmass is itself? Like, it all understands mostly of what we adhere to, regular rules of reality in terms of gravity and that kind of thing, within means anyway.
1: Well, that's an interesting thing to bring up. And um, if you were going to assume yes, then I was going to go, okay, that, you know, let's not address it but there are a multitude of different like world types that you could create, like different types of realities, different types of dimensional existences of Like what is a planet, what could be a planet. Does it have to make sense scientifically in our reality? No, it does not. This is fantasy. It does not have to make any sense whatsoever because if you remember, my world used to be you know, like a, oh, the water was in the sky. Yeah, there were layers yeah. like an onion. There were several layers from top to bottom. So, you know, it started with the moon. So then you had the surface Then you had what was beneath the surface and the water was in the sky. Right. And then you had the, the underdark, the wilder dark. Um, so there was all these different layers and that's that really made it feel fantastic. Um, so if you want to do something like that, by all means, change something about it. To create a different feel, there's no reason not to. Um, as long as it's not too hokey. If it, if you get too hokey with it, it can feel like a cartoon. Unless right. unless you want your game to feel like a cartoon, don't make cartoonish scenarios. Find ways to make it tie together that makes sense from like an ecological or a biological standpoint. Sure, uh, a scientific standpoint works because we all want to believe that's true even in a fantasy world a lot of times we still want to believe that certain things are relatable and it's going to be hard to relate to something too foreign and it's not going to make any sense if you get too exotic or too out there from our reality and it might not be fun at all because it may may not have any kind of um bearing back to something i can understand you know right
0: there's no there needs to be a toe somewhere on something that you can lean on, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: There needs to be something relatable, so you know, just don't get too out there. Otherwise, it feels cheesy and unbelievable. But get out right. there, and, and you know, and even if it's something that seems minor that you've changed, you'll find ways when you're writing your campaign, especially if we use the processes that we've talked about in uh, season one of uh, the D and D four twenty podcast. If you use those processes, you're going to be able to relate back to it again and again and make it feel serious, even if it's a small change. So remember that, too. It doesn't have to be mind-blowing of a a thing to tell somebody, like, it's this multiple-world theory and there's a hundred worlds and you're on one -one." Right,
0: because you lose people right away because they get lost in the details.
1: Yeah, it's – don't try to – and it can be something as simple as – there's like a little spark of electric to everything. So it's like every once in a while you see this little electricity. It doesn't really affect things too much, but then you'll find little nuances to say, well, this is an anomaly that occurs, or this is a thing that happens.
0: Because of the thing that we've already discussed. This little detail. There are these little electrical things that
1: happen. It's an anomaly, and maybe we'll name it. Or like you said, you have these glowing vines. That's a thing, all over the yeah, world. Yeah, so that's
0: that's the yeah that was the first thing that came to mind. It was like I could use something with that. Maybe there's a um, reason.
1: Maybe it's a thing that made them glow, and maybe it's right. a thing that happens, like in the Underdark, uh, for D and D. I don't know how to say it. Like the phrases or something like that. The phrase? Oh,
0: I know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't
1: know what it is or how to say it. I couldn't spell it right now either. But it's yeah. in, it's it's R. A. Salvatore, I believe, wrote a lot about it in the Dark Elf trilogy, um, and and it it was this bioluminescent, magical, you know stuff. It was like it
0: was wasn't like a it was kind of like a goo, wasn't it? I thought he was described as like it was like very living, viscous.
1: Yeah, like a living. Yeah magic or something yeah. um so you know it's pure it's and it's and this is an anomaly that happens all over the the underdark in different pockets and areas so that's a neat thing that you know you just change the reality of the underdark by adding this magical thing so right. yeah 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 you can totally do something that subtle and it makes a huge impact overall
0: right it just yeah because like you were saying before it makes it feel more lived in yeah yeah all right
1: that's what i'm gonna do so what were the what three things you're going to do? You're going to so
0: a- I'm going to build the map. I'm going to redraw the map. Um, I'm going to start filling out like those um, those missing areas and then I'm going to f- pick like a like a thing that's unique. Thanks for listening to this episode of the D&D 420 podcast. For everything D&D 420 related, check out dnd420.com. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us there on the website and on YouTube at d 420. Lastly, as always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do that by telling another DM about the show and by visiting us on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and review. Thanks for subscribing and being a part of our work here at d 420. We will see you next week.